Brought to you in association with ThinkGeek. Stuff for smart masses. Thank you for downloading the Flip for Side B podcast that is found on cinemageekly.com and is the sister podcast to Cinema Geekly podcast. This podcast series will be a little bit different. Uh, each week we will have one topic to talk about instead of multitudes and will not necessarily be news related. Uh, we'll be able to dive into certain subjects focusing on the stories and characters and not so much the news and the media reporting aspect of it. This week I will be talking about Hannibal, the show on NBC, with my friend Tanner, who is an avid Hannibal Lecter fan. Loves the books, movies, and TV. And as always, is brought to you by ThinkGeek and Amazon.com. Don't forget about the banners. Enjoy. Thanks for joining me, Tanner. No problem. Nice to be here. Uh, I guess the first thing, just dive right into it. Uh, I'm going to try and keep this a little bit more structured than before. Um, not not as loosey-goosey, willy-nilly, and hopefully not uh, that many uh, poor similes that I just said. So, this introduction to the character. I mean, I've known you for over ten years, and there's a few things that are constant that I've known about you. Uh, you're fake. You're <laughs> You're afraid of uh, you're afraid of Chucky from yeah. uh, the Chucky series. Yeah. Chucky is a something that haunts and, my nightmares. Uh, you really enjoy the character Hannibal and his story. So whenever I first saw the show, uh, the trailer for it, I guess two years ago, I the first thing I thought was, oh man, the show is right up Tanner's alley, and I hope it's good because it's going to be on NBC, a network show. And, you know, usually network shows are a little bit uh, less dark. They're more playful. They, I mean, of course, they're trying to appear more audiences, yeah. more broad, whatever. With this show, I was surprised at how dark it is and what they get away with. Like, I watch the show, and I think it should be on cable. And if it was on HBO or Showtime, it'd probably be the best show on television. Well, to be honest with you, I was extremely worried when I heard NBC picked it up. And I was just like, no, this, I mean, HBO or, or you know, uh, Cinemax or so, a, a company that will actually devote some great time to it would actually be, I think, the best. But I was really, really happy after I saw the first episode. Yeah, and, and for me, like, weird people are involved with it. Or not weird, uh, people want to think of who would do this kind of show like Brian Fuller like I understand that a lot of his shows uh, deal with death Dead Like Me is really mm-hmm. good Pushing Daisies yeah uh, I've just never seen him do anything that approaches death this way um, and someone like David Slade yeah he made the first Twilight movie or whatever and uh-huh. we'll get with that but um, he has a very distinct style in the way he does things and it works really well with the show as far as how the cuts go and the angles especially when Hannibal is just cooking so I guess you know your first impressions whenever you first watched it and with the cast and well general. i'm not gonna lie i first heard that they were coming out with the hannibal series before i mean probably anyone knew about the show i read up on it i mean like i said i really like the character uh, it's a, i think it's an interesting storyline so i was in i mean i i knew before they even decided who was casting 
And uh, then here comes Mads Mickelson, or if you pronounce it correctly, it's like Maz Mickelson. Um, just truly incredible actor. I'd seen him in uh, Valhalla, where he doesn't like really speak at all. Oh, Valhalla Rising. He says, he says everything with his eyes, okay? And it's just truly amazing. What, were you going to say something right there? Yeah, I, I mean... Uh... I, I've, I love that movie. My first introduction is, is Casino Royale, probably like a lot of people who yeah, don't realize yeah. it's him. Uh, he's the accountant, the guy that keeps touching his eye. Um, he is just one scary looking son yeah. of a bitch. Tortures uh, James in like the worst <laughs> way for a man. Yeah. It, it, uh, if you haven't seen Valhalla Rising, I do recommend it. Um, it is, there is hardly any dialogue. Yeah. Set some time aside. It's, <laughs> it's very pretty. And like you said, He's one of those. I, I, for me, like I'm a huge fan of this winding reference. Another Danish guy, which is you know Denmark. That's where uh, Maz is from, and uh, he makes he's made my favorite movie, which is Drive. And Mads, you're right. He does a. I'm going to keep saying Mods and Mads. Yeah. Um, you're just going to deal with it. <laughs> uh, but he, he does such a good job of. Uh, he's one of those actors who who does more without actually saying, and he has. Even though, like, it doesn't seem like his facial expression changes, it changes just enough where you're like, he's yeah. up to something. Truly, I mean, just incredible with his whole body language and just the fa- facial expressions in general. And then, I mean, we, I mean, you move on. You, I mean, you have Hugh Dancy. I mean, which I was just, I, I, I wasn't sure about at the first because I'm, I don't, I'm not very familiar with Hugh Dancy. Uh, but after seeing him, I mean, just. Truly an incredible Will Graham, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, you know, Jack Crawford, I've seen him be played by Scott Glenn, who I know is one of you. I mean, you're you're a favorite of Scott Glenn. I'm a favorite of Scott Glenn. So I was just like, well, you know, and then Harvey Keitel, uh, or Cattell, however you choose to pronounce it. And uh, so I'm like, well, Lawrence Fishburne really is a great actor as well. So I, I, I didn't assume that was going to be bad. And he's played it very well as well. Yeah, I think... For me, like, a nice touch with Hannibal is, uh, I guess, interesting note. I think I've mentioned it on the, the regular Semi Geek podcast, I don't know what episode, that the original casting choice for Hannibal was David Tennant. And that doesn't mean much to me because I don't really care for Doctor Who. You know, I understand that is our fan base at Cinema Geekly. It, I like Doctor Who. <laughs> it is, uh, it's a Doctor Who friendly, uh, Establishment outside of myself. Uh, I made it to the Wichita Falls t-shirt episode, which is the lady in the fireplace season Ooh. two, which is good. Uh, it's just not my thing. And when I first heard that, that was interesting. And that was more of like, okay, this is where the show's going to go because he's generally goofy. He's wiry. I don't view him as intimidating. And whenever I first saw Mads, I was like, oh my God, he's he's perfect. I mean, he, he looks... The, and the fact that the guy's like... Eastern European, anyways, in the character story, it just makes sense. It it really did fit with the Hannibal storyline. I mean, with you know, kind of not. I mean, probably not the intention of it. Yeah. Uh, I guess you know you mentioned Will Graham. There's a lot of differences in Will Graham's character in the show than the movies mm-hmm. and the books. Yeah. Um, and also great actors who have played. Will Graham, Edward Norton, a personal favorite of mine, and William Peterson, a.k.a. Gil Grisham, as I will continuously uh, talk about him as, if I refer to him anymore in this podcast. Uh, 
and so it's just those are you know fairly decent sized shoes to fill um you know they're established actors for the, at the very least so i mean just the way they handle that character to me is it's impressive and it's i don't think it's too far away it's just instead of going the traditional like he understands serial killers mm-hmm. He can track him down now. It's it, more focus on the emotional side of it, and I think that's where the show signs shines is with the emotion it brings, uh, not just between the characters, but Will's journey as a person. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting approach, which you know you don't see happen in any of the movies, really. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much they delve into it in the books. I've read up on the books quite a bit, actually reading the books. I haven't. Uh, but as for, from what I can tell, it's a different approach. I think it's working. I like it. I mean, you know, this is my design. I mean, it's 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 a great deal. I I really enjoy it. Yeah, the the, the I love the uh, whenever he goes into like the I guess his detective mode of when he you know when he puts himself in the puts himself in the shoes of the serial killer. He when it does the it does the light flashing like okay he's wiping yeah. away the slate to get into what he's gonna be. My favorite part is the music that goes with. They got really music chattering, and to me, it always sounds like his teeth are chattering back and forth. And I think that's interesting because I think you know that that's part of what some people's habit is of whenever they think is that you know they always fidget or do something. And to me, just I always just imagine it's like him just going back and forth as he says, and it's just like him going through the 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 way they shoot the scenes are amazing, especially the first time you see it and you're like, what the fuck just you, happened? You don't, you don't want to start me on, uh, the musical or the, uh, the music production at all because it's extremely amazing. Every sound, every sound choice, every music clip choice, it's just so perfect for each moment. And I mean, that's what I said whenever I'm saying sound, because they use so many different sounds just to, I mean, emphasize stuff to, I mean, make you be like, oh, something, something's happening, but, you know, not in your typical way where it's like, dun-dun, and, oh, yeah. I mean, so it's, I really just enjoy it, and, I mean, the cinematography, and it's great. I can talk about that all day, so. Talk about it. Well, I mean, I have shot uh, stuff on my own, personally. Movies, uh, not, not, not necessarily movies, but uh, video stories and stuff like that uh, for news stations. And so it gives me a, a found respect for uh, certain cinematography aspects, really good camera shots, camera shots that you don't normally see. And uh, Breaking Bad led the way with it. I mean, I just loved everything about their cinematography. Hannibal, oh my gosh. I mean, whenever I started watching, I mean, that's another deal. I was so amazed with the things that they could do with the camera whenever uh whether it be a certain camera angle or a certain camera shot they're willing to go not the norm they're willing to go out of the aspect out of the box and that's what i think that's what makes it half interesting to me yeah i i've always i mean i've done a student film uh i uh when i say i did a student film i was not the director at and they did not want me with the camera because I, I you don't want me behind the camera. Uh, in that aspect, I was the sound mic and the script writer for it. Uh, but yeah, different angle. I mean, and we also shot in an elevator, and that was a nightmare. I did not realize how awful that was going to be. Holy shit! Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, with it, even like the lighting and the shading, like it, it's not too dark where it seems fake. And it's not so well lit that it seems natural. I prefer more natural lighting. That's just mm-hmm. me. Um, 
But just like the dark contrast they have just works so well, and, and it just helps with the tone and just the visualization of it is incredible. They are trying to keep it dark, which I get, and, that, and that's why I, I see the artificial lighting happening. Uh, but you know, then they're also trying to highlight certain things, which is where I get another lighting aspect. And then also the use of color is just amazing. I, I mean, after talk, I mean, after reading about the costume designer, the set designer, and everything like that, the the choice of colors, I mean, behind it all is great. And, I mean, they actually go back and they're like, well, you know, I mean, this is supposed to happen during, like, what, I think the 70s and 80s. And, uh, I mean, they're trying to make it that traditional colors, but putting a new age effect on them as well. And so, I mean, which, I mean, I think that's even where this age is right now. I mean, you know, hipster and everything, so. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that. I watched Bates Motel, and they do that as well. It's, you know, it's a story, it's an origin story for a movie that was made in the 60s. And so, they kind of make it, I mean, anything uh, Norman watches is always 50 reruns, Mm -hmm. black and white, in in their house. um, It looks just like the scenes you had seen in the original psycho not the but they have iphones (laughs) yeah they have phone and but it it like it goes so well together and you were talking about with the coloring i love the fact that they use dark textures over the lenses after the fact with the snow i love that every episode has snow in it Mm -hmm. um just the the white and the dark and i'm sure there's more symbolism than that i just i i don't want to get into that discussion because no one wants to listen to that (laughs) But uh, it's uh, the production of it is really, good. and you can tell. I mean, it's a network show. They're gonna have more money. They're gonna have a bigger budget, and they handle that. Uh, you talk about costume design. Oh my god! If I could just have one of the suit setup gear that Hannibal has, damn, I'd probably be in doctorate school right now because <laughs> I would just have that much confidence in myself. But, great uh, suits, great suits. Yeah, and just uh, but back to the characters. And the changes that they've done. Not so much with Hannibal. I I wouldn't say there's changes because outside of like Hannibal Rising, we've never really seen a mm-hmm. middle-aged Hannibal not behind bars yes. and scheming. And so with this, it's he's threatening, but not in uh, like an Anthony Hopkins, like in your face, you know, intimidation. It's just he he's ever present. And I, for me, I that's think nice. he is intimidating. Very much so. I mean, you can tell it whenever he talks to people, whenever he's in with people. He's very inviting, which is, you know, I think what makes him the wolf almost. You know, the <laughs> devil. He's very inviting. People, I mean, people seem to flock to him, but he is intimidating. I mean, anything that he says, people listen to people. And I mean, whenever, I mean, if he was to disagree with you, it almost seems like you end up, you're like, well, I think I agree with Hannibal. <laughs> you know, <and laughs> I changed my mind. So I do. I think that he isn't him. Well, it's just like uh, I mean, what I mean is in uh, especially Science of the Lambs. Don then we talked about how he wanted to do a lot. He did more close up, face up shots. Oh, okay. And so with the camera always being on him, and for a lot of times always looking up to him at an angle, and, and that's more we want to make give him size, give him mm-hmm. presence, and mm-hmm. uh, it's just another tool to use. But he. With this one, it's he doesn't. He's not you know sitting out of a chair, with his hands on his knees. Yeah, and your you know in your face, he's sitting back. He's relaxed, and it's that kind of like silent confidence uh, that I don't think we ever saw in Hannibal. It was more of like I'm confident. I'm a super genius, and well, there's certain ways that it'll show you that. Mm-hmm. And this one, it's more of like a it's, it's just calming. Uh, and one thing. Like with Will, and we talked about, you know, he he's more in the other stories, 
uh, more of a traditional cop. Yeah, he has a family and that kind of stuff. And with this one, I don't know if he's ever going to get that family or if he does. Is it going to be as, you know, uh, picked perfect as it, as it has been in the books in the past? And I, I like a damp. I mean, we're in the age of, you talk about anti-heroes. We want damaged heroes because it's something we can relate to, not something we want to aspire to be. Just something we, we can relate and we can be like, oh, well, I, I can do that. I don't have to work towards it. I think that's just in human nature now uh, instead of idol worship. But he, uh, with Jack Crawford, he's, I mean, he's the same. Um, we could we could just say, I mean, yeah, it's, I mean there's, he, head of the FBI. Well, not the head of the FBI, but, you know, the head of his department in Baltimore. And, uh, I mean, plays it to a T. And I'll say with Jack, he, and this, and I don't know if it's just, He's a lot more hard-nosed and not as open-minded as he seemed like he was in Silence of the Lambs. And I think, for me, I hope that's what I, what it is. And it kind of, as the series goes on, because uh, they are going to delve into Silence of the Lambs and yeah. Hannibal and all that kind of stuff, and Red Dragon, uh, that it shows his open-mindedness as the story goes on. So maybe as the show progresses, Jack may be the one character uh, who changes the most. Well, I tell you what, I wouldn't see. I wouldn't see Scott Glenn's Jack Crawford attending a lot of dinners. <laughs> I mean, I just. I mean, I think he's like he. I mean, even in that, even in the movie, he's like I hate these things. So I just, I do not think that he would probably be at Hannibal's table as much as Lawrence Fishburne's Jack. Well, that's what I mean. Is like he's more. I think it's like a trusted elitism. He's trusted with people who are established, who have pedigree, and I think. What I mean, like when I say open mindedness, I mean open mindedness of how a case can be approached. Not so much his interaction with people. I think mm. he's much more, as much more regard and keeps his distance. I think as interactions go, um, as as that progresses, and I mean, I mean, Bloom is a is a woman instead of this a really minor character I know in the books. Yeah, um, and her. And Freddie's a woman, uh, not a fat, disgusting, gross. R.I.P. Philip Seymour Hoffman. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Philip. He he's great, but um, loved not not awesome to look at. <laughs> 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 but uh, he and so just the not even like this, not so much gender, but I mean those are the obvious, the physical transformations. But it it is just the little subtle things they do that I like. Um, one scene I loved in season one a lot was, uh, and I had two experiences with it. One I one I loved, and then one I appreciated even more was when Will was late and didn't show up for an appointment with Hannibal, and he opens up his book, and Hannibal looks down at the name, and at first it seems like oh he's sad, and like oh my gosh, like this is the one person he could maybe have a connection with. He understands, and he's he's mad that he pushed off, and. <laughs> You learn a couple episodes. Oh no, it's because he's losing control over him, and he's upset because he views him as more superior. And then, of course, that adds into more, you know, the mythos that is Hannibal, uh, the established Hannibal. But I mean, is there? I mean, one. I mean, from season one, what's what's one scene that just sticks out to you that you just always constantly think about? Because that's mine. <laughs> The the scene that always, I mean, like, literally I think about every episode that I watch is whenever we see uh, Hannibal get a hold of the uh, FBI trainee that caught on to him first, where, I mean, I think he, he, he takes off his shoes, I mean, she's sitting there looking at some drawings, and he's just 
walks up behind her and, you know, starts to strangle her. And I'm just like, oh, my God. <laughs> because, and I mean, I, I, it's just so amazing to me to see him interact in different ways. And I really love to see him outside, you know, because we only get to see so much of Hannibal outside uh, from the movies. And I just love seeing him interact in his day and just to see how it is. And, I mean, we're starting to delve into it a lot in season two about how many patients he's had that has died, how many patients he's had that have killed people. I mean, it's, I mean, things are starting to unfold definitely in that range. And, I mean, that that was the one thing that always comes to my mind is whenever he strangles the trainer. Yeah, I uh, I mean, let, let's just go right into season two. Uh it's more and more where my focus is mainly because there's a lot of things apparently I misremembered about season one, mainly being Eddie Zard, who I can't remember his character's name, but Dr. Something Another, uh, who is uh, convinced or tricked by Dr. Chilton, who we will talk about, uh, that he is a Chesapeake Ripper, which is what Hannibal Lecter is. I always thought he died in season one, and then whenever he showed up alive in season two next to Will... Um, and a, another really good scene of them in their little cages in the psychiatric ward just talking to one another. And Will asking him, why won't you come forth with Hannibal? He, you know, the closer you get to me, he's just, he's just going to kill you. And uh, uh, he uh, <laughs> he is the first person that we saw Ray Liotta do in Hannibal. The first person, that I, I mean, I'm sure he's done before, that Hannibal just starts feeding himself to yeah. him not yeah. the brain which is kind of which is weird I, I like that there's actually some pain probably that he felt and that the only way he could keep living even though he knew it was going to die was eating himself because there's only so much Hannibal could cut up and you know cook for him I mean well it was very theatrical oh yeah and if there's one thing that this show is hitting on about everything that Hannibal does it's almost theater yeah. I mean it's to a point it's dramatic and and I really think that's where, I mean, he's he gets half of his, I mean, he's just like, it would be beautiful if I did things this way. Because he's going to kill people. I mean, he's going to, but he thinks of a great way to do it. Yeah, there, there's, <laughs> there's a message in a way. And it's not even like a positive or an uplifting, but there's always something to it. Uh, and I, I'll say this with Hannibal. I Oh, I think almost every episode, it just it, for me, it just gets better and better. Except season two, I, I love season one, but so far I think season two has been better as a show. Um, and it's just just because there's a lot of character dynamics that are evolving. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the possible love triangle, which I wouldn't really call it a love triangle, uh, even though they had a, a, a very odd erotic uh, sex scene this last episode. Oh, yeah. Um that uh you know will was with someone else and alana was with hannibal uh and uh, you know when somehow it, it turned into a three-way uh in his mind Definitely. or in both, their, <laughs> in both of their minds but uh but with that character we got to see the first incarnation of uh mason burner and i that is someone i love because i probably my favorite actor is gary oldman uh, who played him? He's the guy who got eaten by pigs, and so with this, it's it is just nice to kind of, not really origin stories, but to see them before uh, they were these people. And he is he is a bastard and a half. <laughs> I was very impressed with uh, just first of all his voice because Gary Oldman had a very specific voice for Mason Verger and Hannibal, and 
the first words he said, I actually rewinded the television just to hear him again. Because I was like, that is incredibly close. I mean, it's so close that it was, I mean, very appreciative. I think he probably studied uh, almost how uh, Gary Oldman did Mason Verger. And, I mean, obviously added his own spin to it. And, I I mean, like I said, he's only been in one episode, and it's, it's great. <laughs> yeah, um, so I guess we'll just, we'll go to the, the, the biggest change. And probably the thing, for the, at least the first half of season two of Hannibal, the one relationship I think that changed the show, or not really changed it, but just drove the point home and just made it even better. And that's the early... <laughs> The early uh, implications of Chilton and Hannibal's alliance, and uh, I guess uh, at odds with one another. Well, it's not. I mean, to Chilton alliance, uh, to <laughs> to Hannibal, I hate your guts. I'm gonna screw you over in the best way I can. I mean, obviously, I mean we can all we can already tell from the movies, but even from the show now. You can tell that Hannibal has a blatant disrespect and disregard for Chilton as a doctor, probably as a person, uh, just because of the way Chilton is. Which, by the way, the man who plays Chilton—I can't remember his name right now—in the show uh, is just truly amazing to Chilton in the in the Silence of the Lambs. I mean, because I mean, I'm just like, yeah, this guy plays him perfectly. I mean, as far as Chilton that I could see that I could see in my head. Yeah, he he's so perfect. His mannerism, he he's over the top without being too over the top. Like he's over the top in the fact that when I say alliance, I mean the fact like they blatantly lie to one another over oh, and yeah. over again because they're they're top of their fields. They want to, you know, they're trying to get something from one another. And uh Chilton, he just <laughs> When that first scene, he comes back and he has the cane and all that, and it just everyone just keeps, you know, how to feel to take your manhood away from you, how you know, you know what what your patient did to you. It's almost like he wants Hannibal to feel that pain. And with Chilton, I think it's important because we obviously know uh, the end game for Chilton. Now I know on the show it showed him get shot in the face. Uh, I don't think he's dead. Chilton's I, alive. He, Chilton's alive. There's no way um, until I see his body broken down in slides or just in a slab or in a tree or part of a human totem pole on the beach somewhere. I don't think he's dead. I think he's too good of a character that they've used yeah. uh, for them just to throw him out that way. I will say, if he did die the way of Hannibal setting everything up and moving the tables to where it turned on him... Uh, that I wouldn't have a problem with it. I just think that the kill him off this early would be a disservice because there's so much more Chilton you could use, especially especially when Hannibal is in his facility. Mm-hmm. It's just going to be that much better. I think it's just going to, I mean, really, I think this is just going to lead to even more conflict. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, conflict between Hannibal and Chilton. They, uh, <laughs> I mean, that, this, that, that episode, that the whole last... I guess what fifteen minutes of it of him going to his house, and you hear the alarm, and you just you just know it, you know it, and then you just see Eddie Azard's body just there on in a table in his freaking wine rack, basically. And he just walks up, and Hannibal wearing that awesome plastic cover suit uh, over his over his, his formalest <laughs> suit ever. It just cracks me up. Like he's just like, well. 
I'm gonna kill this guy. Let me go get my murder suit on. And he just, uh, and he, you know, he just tells him, you'll have no choice but to run. And you just see Chilton just wake up, you know, confused, and he doesn't know. And, oh, of course, the, you know, the, the FBI are already knocking on the door, because I'm assuming uh, Hannibal, you know, he tied the ends to where they would be there to interview him. And he just wakes up in a chair covered in blood with a gun and walks into his kitchen, and it's just... There's a cop with 20,000 knives in him, and the other... I can't remember what the other one is. Uh, and it's just, like, just disemboweled and, you know, destroyed. You know, just basically a bloody carcass. And, uh, and he, that's what he does. He runs. And what's who's first one he got, he's got to go to? Will Graham. Because uh, Chilton uh, is the only other person uh, that's been, you know, mainly a part of the cast who believes him and knows. And, you know, he's helped... He's tried to help Jack Crawford see that but the only reason why he's doing it is you know save his own skin oh my god think of the book deal he could get yeah um and it's just which makes me love chilton even more because he's just so selfish and he'll just never get it and that's why he's gonna die an awful awful death in panama but he (laughs) seeing hannibal wink at him at the dinner party was so amazing just because that wink signified so much just like yes i know that you know that i'm a killer yes i'm gonna eventually kill you you're fucked i mean that's everything that that wink said i it's like putting 24 seconds up on the call <laughs> and uh and you're having you know shoot the ball uh but it's like a medicine ball and the basket is instead of 10 or 12 feet in there it's you know yeah 47 Good luck. You're just not going to happen. Oh, and if you miss a shot, I'm just going to kill you. Like, there's just, there's no end game where this works out for him. And so whenever he runs to Will's house and he tries to, you know, can I borrow your shower? Like, that is like, can I take a shower? That is like the best thing. Of of course, that that is what he, I mean, I would would probably want to do that too. But of course, of Chilton, it's all about the appearance. He he has to clean up. And then just the run he, you know, he has from Jack and, and then just sitting there and he just, you know, and uh, Lana Bloom says, Hannibal, and he's like, those are just words. They don't have any meaning to you. You don't know the weight that they feel. And then, you know, Miriam lasts, of course, Hannibal, uh, you know, making it to where this woman who he had kidnapped years before, and like through suggestion that it wasn't his voice, was something that sounded more like Tilton's, and she just pulls out a gun and shoots him in the face. And that's the last we see of him. Which is a shame, because I really wish they could have kept going. I mean, I, I know, uh, pacing-wise, it is a good thing that they ended it, but just those, the, the three dynamic of Will, Chilton, and Hannibal, all because they have different motivations and what they're after, but two of them ha- are kind of, they're after the same thing, the fact that they both don't want to die and want to get Hannibal, but for completely different reasons. Mm. Uh, and Hannibal just doing it because he can, because he's just curious. And I think, like, the fact that he hasn't killed Will where it makes a lot of sense to do it, and he hasn't, I think, is just... To me, that's the most fascinating thing. I'm surprised he didn't kill Will earlier. At this point in the show, he is right where he wanted Will to be from the beginning. Will realizing, oh, maybe I can be... I mean, Hannibal, I think, ultimately is looking for someone almost that could be himself. Um, I think he saw a little, I mean, he saw what Will could be potentially, or what he could make him be potentially, and that was his goal in season one. It's finally coming true in season two to a certain aspect, and he's still working on it, but I mean, it's, yeah, 
Like, it's tr- just seeing that unfold. You know, he's driving, you know, he drove him to kill. You know, not as, like, you know, an officer of the law or anything. He drove him to kill for revenge. Um, and now it is, and then, you know, of course, he has to return the favor. Where I, I think he, you know, of course, I he knew Will would come through either with the gun, which he didn't choose to do, or with his bare hands. Um, just because he had put that thought into his head, yeah. um, you know, earlier. And then just, you know, when he drags and he throws the body up on the table, and it's just like, yeah, we're even. Yeah, we're even. And, uh, even Steven. Yeah, even Steven. Sorry, I'm not Shia LaBeouf. Uh, and they, uh, and it's just, now they're on a level playing field. And I think that, that, to me, that whenever he got him out of jail, that was the one thing I loved most. Uh, but And their dynamic was the fact that I believe that he thinks Will can catch him. And, but if he does catch him, he wants it to be he wants it to be a fair game. He doesn't yeah. want he doesn't want Will to be disadvantaged by being locked up and not being able to get him. Um, and I you know, as the story goes, the you know, when the tables are turned and Hannibal's in jail, uh, obviously that favor or that feeling is not going to be mutual and wanting to get Hannibal out and, you know, have their cat and mouse game continue. We'll see how the show plays that, because that is one thing that I disagreed with in the movies. I'm not sure how the book displays it, but for Hannibal to put out in a, you know, in a word search or whatnot where Will Graham lives and tell the Tooth Fairy to kill Will Graham, I just think that's a little low of Hannibal's... Well, I know, like, in... In the books and in like Red Dragon and Manhunter, it was a disdain because he didn't think Will Graham was good enough to catch him, and that, which is odd because in the show I think they've pretty much established the fact that he does think Will yeah. is good enough. I think he loves. I think he's in love with his mind. He loves the way he thinks because I think it's some, almost to an extent something he wishes he could feel. I think he, because he, you know, he'll say a lot of times he understands these serial killers. I don't think he doesn't feel. I mean, he doesn't have compassion to begin with, in the in the sense that we view compassion. But he understands them. Uh, same with the the silo guy who was trying to make uh, his eye to God. Yeah. I mean, he understands what he was doing, but I don't believe he had the same belief. Obviously, not the same belief because he wanted to kill him because they all thought this guy was really smart and clever and you know he has to kill the competition but i think that's it's not their their relationship is it's evolving to where it's not competition in the traditional sense it's a little it's different it's it's competition and camaraderie and hatred all fused in the one and and i for me any direction it went as far as them just going at ends. I mean, obviously, there's a teaser that they show uh, where the season is either going to end or the episode before of Jack Crawford and Hannibal squaring off because Jack Crawford finally fully believes with absolute conviction that Hannibal Lecter is the Chesapeake Ripper, yeah. whereas now he's he's letting Will do his thing um, because he sort of believes him. He understands that there is there may be some truth, but I don't think he's willing to believe the full truth. It's interesting to see Jack in that position, too, because if you're, I mean, if you go to Red Dragon, you know, Will's kind of in that position. I'm not saying that he can't be, because, I mean, maybe they just haven't shown it to us, Uh, but I definitely don't think that Jack Crawford dies in this situation. 
too too important of a character. He's too established in uh, in the mythos for them to just get. Yeah. It's just like Chilton. I mean, there's certain serves a point to a certain degree, and that's whenever he gets out. One thing I will hit on that I really do like is that uh, in the show, especially uh, you've seen it for the last couple episodes and maybe the last three, is they're using Margot Verger. Margot Verger, Mason Verger's sister, we all know in the books, and, well, actually not from the movies, is that uh, Margot Verger ends up killing Mason Verger. Uh, instead of Cordell from the movies that pushes him into the, the pit uh, with the hogs, it's actually in the books, it's Margot, his sister, who's put through ever-living hell, and finally, she's, I mean, she's obviously had enough, you can even tell that in the show, because she's tried to kill him before, <laughs> and I think almost whenever he goes through his decrepitude, where he's completely disfigured, uh, she might actually feel a little bit sorry for him, or she might be the only one left for him, and uh, after being treated like absolute shit for however long it is, uh, she finally gets back to him, and I, and I appreciate that link in the show, because they didn't do it in the movies. Or just the fact that he's just not non, he's non-threatening. I mean, in the movie they show him kind of threatening and the, like he's scheming and that kind of stuff. But um, you know, her big thing was physical abuse. Well, he's in a fucking wheelchair and his face is all melted off yeah. and all kind of messed up. Like he he can't do the damage to her that she was used to and that she was illicit to uh, for years. So yeah, I mean, if uh, that'll be that'll be something. Uh, I know uh, was the one we kind of left off. Uh, Freddie Downs who's made her appearance in both seasons. Uh, I say she because uh, she is a she, and in the books and in the movie, she is a dude. Uh, she really... Uh, I like the way they use her character because I know they show that she's you know unscrupulous and that kind of stuff. She's out for her own deal, getting the book deal and the interviews. Uh, but she does care, uh, especially whenever you see... Um, oh, my gosh... I forgot her name. I, I, Hitian Park is her name. Uh, but the one person who believed Will that Hannibal was a killer and she got killed. Are you talking about Hannibal's therapist? No, no. Oh. the uh, No, not not her. Uh, the, the Asian lady that, that dies. Oh, uh, I forget uh, what her was name. her name? Was it Rachel? No, I, I feel awful. I am so sorry. I can't remember someone whose name s- is above the freaking title of the cast. Um, but she, her death, I mean, the way they did her death and the way she got killed off with this, you know, Hannibal hits the lights and then kills her in the, oh man, the shit. In his one, I mean, that, and the the shot in the, you know, into the floorboard above her. But she, uh, Beverly Katz. Beverly Katz, that's right. Yeah, so whenever, you know, she's dead and Freddy gets the call, which is, the fact that Hannibal called her is... Just, I I do it. I I think he does it because he just has zero disregard for her as a person, and as he he, obviously you know he he does in in Red Dragon and Manhunter, the demise that he suffers. I think it's crazy to see uh, how much that Freddy will come out. You know, especially to Hannibal, because Hannibal's already, like, threatened her. Like, threatened her, like, put her, like, like, the way that he stands, and he's like, give me your purse, give me, and deletes her, and, like, she's like, obviously, she fears for her life in the presence of this man, yet, 
she still goes for it. Like, yeah. and she is so spot on. I mean, that's the one thing in the in the movie they really didn't say that you know that Freddie was a great reporter at all. Um, in the show, she's extremely spot on. I mean, she catches on to things. She's insinuating things that are very true. Yeah, she's she's a good reporter, but everyone hates her. Yeah, well, I mean, she doesn't. She just has no code of ethics, or or uh, I, I guess a uh, an objective code of ethics, something that can't be judged just based on opinion. And you know, she'll do whatever she can for the story. And <laughs> yeah, when, she, when he deletes the phone and she kills by Abigail Hobbs, and I really like the the last episode where you know he you know Will says he'll never forget too. I didn't think it was that moment she. She obviously she still believes Will is an awful monster who kills people, um, but I think she has an understanding that he's not done with Hannibal. There, there is a goal to this. But uh, um, just uh, you know teasers we've seen for the new stuff. Um, any thoughts? You know, I think the biggest tease that we saw was uh, somebody who was on fire being pushed down a hill in a wheelchair. Yeah. Which uh, we all know is in in the sound and uh, the mythos Red Dragon. is uh, is Freddy. Yeah, I don't think they're going to kill her off this early. No. Um, but as we've talked about off air, I liked your points about it. Uh, what you said about being a tribute. Yeah, I, I you know I almost said that you know uh, that maybe this is a Hannibal kill in some way, and uh, later on the tooth fairy does that to Freddie Downs as almost like a tribute uh, to Hannibal. I mean, naturally he was going to kill Freddie anyways, but what better way to do it than in a way that Hannibal would have? And, uh, I mean, naturally Freddie doesn't care for that uh, Freddie anyways, so why not kill it? I mean, kill her in that way. So Yeah. Uh, I really like where the show's going. I, I know the next season is supposed to go into Red Dragon, so no spoilers that Hannibal will more than likely get caught uh but it is i always have real i usually have an issue with prequels because it's hard for me to delve into the emote and like to feel for a character when certain ones well i know they're not in any real peril because i've seen them in the future (laughs) and with this one like i know obviously they probably can't kill will but if they did i wouldn't be surprised uh, there's for me. I think no holes barred outside of Hannibal. Anybody could go. I don't. I mean, Jack probably won't. Um, Will probably won't. This early on, I think. I personally think Will will die. I think. I if if Will does die, not a big deal. He's not dying now. That's all I, I he has say. to die after they get Clarice established I, in in a season. She has to have, and they have to get somebody talented. A few notches under her belt. And as Will being her kind of her mentor, I, and it going out that way, to me I'd like that because I I for me I'm a huge fan of the Bioshock video game series and my favorite thing is the father daughter relationships or the father daughter aspect that they've established in all of their video games and I think Will could be like a father daughter uh, type of thing with Clarice. That that's actually a very interesting point. I think that's a very valid thing and that could eventually happen. Another thing I think is, yeah, the Will dead part. Will could definitely die. I mean, because as far as we know, he doesn't have a family. And, uh, well, he doesn't have a family in the show. And uh, so it would be easy to, once Hannibal's caught or whatnot, for Will to die. 
and uh, you know, and then that next, and then Claire Reese can come along, and they can still have that father daughter deal going on between Jack and Claire Reese. Uh, but I like that aspect a little bit better. Maybe they'll do it. Yeah, I think because I mean, the thing with Clarissa, she's kind of like him in that aspect that she can kind of understand him. Uh, she's my—I think she's more Miriam Last. Like whenever they showed Miriam Last, I just kept thinking, "Well, that, that's Clarice. Like that's kind of what she is." Yeah, um, she's very—you know—she understands it, she gets it. But I think you know, with Clarice, obviously, she has more. She's more emotionally um, temperamental. Uh, she's strong, but it—you know—it's—it's it's pretty obvious, you know. Hannibal can get under her skin, uh, but you know, as the movie and the series goes along, she doesn't. And I, I really can't wait for the Clarice stuff because I really want to see that part of Hannibal played out more. Oh yeah, because that is so fast. I mean, even like I, I don't like the last Hannibal movie um, as much as the others. Uh, I mean, which is no surprise. But I do love the, like, in the end, whenever he cuts off his own hand, because he wants to preserve her, I really hope, like, I don't know how long that story arc would be, either, you know, probably two seasons, uh, whenever they get to it, it would, you know, the fact that there's going to come a point where he'll he'll do anything for her and protect her. Well, I think it'll just be neat to see that progression of Hannibal to become, I mean, to, to come to a point... To where he actually cares so much, and maybe and maybe it's not that he's caring for that person, but he cares for the the outlook or the the aspect of that person. See, I always thought, for me, when it came to Silence of the Lambs, and it was after a couple of times I had watched it, was I didn't I kind of thought about Hannibal not wanting to get out of jail so he could do other things and tie up loose ends like he says um but maybe he just wanted to get away from her because it took away from his animal instincts the fact that she could get him to feel some sort of compassion and it's in a convoluted way anyways but the fact that she made him you know have some kind of warmth in him maybe that's why he wanted to get away um, because he wanted to get back to what he was, and he knew, you know, he'd been that his whole life. It's what he knew. Um, as great and as smart as he is, he's still a person, and uh, any character, antagonist, protagonist, any hero, they have to have some sort of weakness, and obviously, she was his. So, I hope that's the route they go with their relationship. Well, I, I think maybe they'll also play on it more as that, Hannibal has had very few people to question his motives, his decisions, I mean, anything. I mean, usually if you ever found out or you got that far, you died. Uh, and whenever he's in prison, I mean, or in the psyche, I mean, in the psychiatric, I mean, for the criminally insane, uh, clear, I mean, he can't really do anything. And I mean, he's almost forced to listen to Clarice in a way, but he's also intrigued by her. So I think maybe it's, you know, that where he can be like, he, he can almost question some of his, I don't think necessarily regret. No. In no, no way regret. No, in no, no way regret. No. But just question some of the things. He, uh, for me, like, uh, like we, I, you know, I mentioned like he loves Will Graham's mind and that even if he's killed off later or, and there is no uh, Will Graham Clarice interaction at all. 
and she just comes in and, and he, you know, she starts questioning him and that would be like the, the thing would be like, that light just goes off like, oh my God, I've, I've had this sensation before, um, but it wasn't packaged this way. It was, you know, it was something that I, I wasn't attracted to yeah. in that sense. Uh, so for me, I really hope that's what they do. I, I, cause I think their relationship is, and probably any type of media might be the most fascinating because the only way you've ever seen like psychopath and this woman fall in love or whatever, I mean, she never falls in love with them, but with that, it's always like Stockholm syndrome, uh, something like beauty and the beast, um, something like the real life Stockholm situation. It's just, uh, so for this, like the kind of be reversed where he's in captivity and she comes to him, uh, is something that I really hope they do. And I know they'll do a good job because Brian Fuller is really good. He, he writes women really well. Uh, so hopefully there's that, but, uh, any, any closing thoughts or anything? Um, I no, I just really, really enjoy the show. Was looking forward to it before it came out. Has, have loved every moment of it that it's been on air. I'm really impressed with NBC. I'm really impressed with Brian Fuller. Uh, the whole production, every, all the actors, all the choices, everything is just, I think, going very well. And I hope it continues. Yeah, um, I just, uh, if you're just listening to this just because you listen to the other main uh, granddaddy of them all podcast for Cinema Geekly, I, I do recommend, you got to watch the show. I know I've mentioned it on the regular podcast. You, you have to watch it. It's so good. Um, it just sucks that it comes on Friday nights because I don't watch it on Friday nights. I DVR and watch it the next morning. Uh, but it, it is, it's damn good television. If you liked the movies, you'll love the show. Even if you didn't like the movies, you'll probably still like the show. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're just, if you like villains and that's, you know, people love villains these days or, uh, not the, you know, the typical hero. It, it really is good. I mean, and don't be afraid to get caught up on it because, this season's going to end pretty soon, um, uh, and they have the whole first season on Amazon Prime that you can watch. It's also on Netflix. Is it but, on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, it's on Netflix. And as always, uh, this is brought to you by ThinkGeek for Smart Masses. So now that you've got them listening to these two guys talk about a TV show, how about you hit the, the subscribe buttons? Yeah, subscribe, rate it, review it, make those numbers go up, baby. <laughs> yeah.